Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 220 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is There Is an Answer, an interview with Hanalee Pendry. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Matt, we've learned from now 220 podcasts that the people who get better are the people who know there's an answer, who pivot from one treatment protocol to another treatment protocol, and they use their body's information system or the feelings that they get as the vehicle for determining when they should pivot from one protocol to another. Rich, Hannah Lee would not give up. She teased with us that she saw almost every natural doctor in Florida to finally get a positive Lyme diagnosis. Once diagnosed, she treated with natural antimicrobials and biofilm busters and was seeing slow and steady progress. She wanted faster results, and she found a method to fast-track her healing, which she shares with us on this podcast episode. She also shares a lot of tips, like things she found to help really boost her energy and her fatigue while treating, and also some tips that were super helpful in sleeping and addressing her insomnia. So Matt, the mindset of Hana Lee allowed her to get a diagnosis, meaning she went from doctor to doctor until somebody was able to diagnose her with what was causing her to be sick. And then she used those same traits to find the tools she needed to ultimately heal from Lyme disease. This is a really cool episode. I'm really excited for our folks to meet Hana Lee Pendry. Hey, Hana Lee, and welcome to the Tick Bootcamp podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, we're really excited to have you. But before we get started, I've never never met a Hanali before. So can you share with us uh, what the inspiration was for your name? Yeah, it's actually from the um, song uh, Puff the Magic Dragon, which is actually some people have different ideas of where this song came from and what it's all about. And for the record, it's actually about a mountain range in Kauai, Hawaii in a town called Hanalei, which my name's Hanalei, but you know, close. Um, and the mountain range looks like a dragon and it's, it has like the spines on the back and the whole thing. And there's clouds that come around it and, you know, puff and there you go. All right. Well, that, that is really cool. And thank you for sharing that cool story with us. And I, I have to thank your parents for naming you after a song that I grew up. It was a, was a, it was a childhood song of mine, but I think a lot of our young listeners probably will have to uh, go to YouTube to uh, have Puff the Mag Magic Dragon played for them. Uh, so talk to us, uh, first of all, about where you grew up and what your childhood was like. Um, I was born in New York. Um, I was born in Manhattan. Uh, we had a little teeny tiny penthouse apartment that overlooked Central Park with a massive terrace space. So it was a really cool first home. Um, we moved to Florida when I was about six months old and that's really where I grew up. Um, yeah, spent, spent most of my life there. And really as soon as I could talk as a kid, my mom noticed that I started singing right away and she noticed that I sang well right away. <laughs> and so she just always kind of gently encouraged that. It was never like the stage mom effect of, you know, like, and now you have to do this and, you know, you're forcing the classes that you don't want to go into. It was none of that. It was just like nurturing that talent, um, you know, allowing me opportunities to perform at a very young age. I started performing when I was about four or five. Um, and I did, you know, dance and singing kind of throughout school. Um, and then when I was 15, I got an amazing opportunity to perform with some incredible artists and a genius band. 
um, for an event that had, you know, many thousands of people at it. And I just sort of decided, like, if I do a really good job here and I'm have a good work ethic and I'm kind to people, this will, will probably lead to more opportunities. And I've been very fortunate that that is exactly what happened. And I've had a, an amazing career thus far that has been pretty much word of mouth from the people I've worked with and the people who've seen me to other opportunities. And I've spent my life, uh, you know, as I was growing up, really starting to be able to travel around the world performing. So before we get into um, unpacking your current career and, and how yeah. that developed, let's go back to the coincidence of your mother naming you after a song and then yeah. you having musical <laughs> talents. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Do you, do you think it really was a coincidence or do you think your mom had some, some idea that perhaps, uh, perhaps she was birthing a, uh, a musician? <laughs> I think the name part um, was a coincidence in that way, as far as being a musical, uh, musically talented human. Um, but both of my parents are artists. Um, my mom is a visual artist. She does sculpting um, and painting. And my dad was a songwriter and um, a dancer and improv actor. And so, but I, so I had like that, that kind of environment and encouragement, but I think someone is either an artist or they're not like innately. I don't think that's something that's really, you're raising so much as just like what your, your own natural kind of instincts are or whatever. Um, so I think I was fortunate that I had artist parents and they recognized an artist daughter and then I was able to pursue that and, you know, not like, <laughs> no one tried to like talk me out of it. <laughs> so, so your, your parents had some very obvious superpowers and the genetic combination of two people with artistic superpowers produced a little person with superpowers, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and that's, that's probably not a whole lot different than anyone, right? I mean, we, we, we all do have these superpowers that we're born with and we all have this purpose that we're born with. It's just not as obvious in some cases it is as it is in others. And in your case, because you, you came from, from uh, people who had performing arts superpowers, it becomes pretty clear that they are who they are and you were who you were. So talk to us yeah. about how that's developed and how it's taking you all around the world. Give us some examples of the kinds of uh, venues that you've performed at and the kinds of work that you're doing now. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Oh, man. Venues of all shapes and sizes. Um, <laughs> some absolutely gorgeous, you know, big, beautiful theaters. Um, one of my favorite theaters uh, to perform at was actually the Ruth Eckert Hall, which is in, in like the Clearwater Tampa area. Um, it's just a really nice layout, uh, seats, seats a good amount of people. Um, and then, you know, I've done big outdoor festivals with, that obviously have many, 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 many more people than you can <laughs> just fit in like a little, um, you know, fit in a theater setting. Um, but yeah, I've, I, I've traveled all over the world and I've been able to sing now on six continents. I'm still determined to perform somehow on Antarctica. <laughs> I'm not quite sure like 
what that's going to look like, but it's going to happen. <laughs> if anyone has a hookup to that, I am, I'm all ears. Um, well, you know, let me interrupt for a second. There is a parallel here. Ticks and Lyme disease are on every continent in the world other than Antarctica. So perhaps maybe that's one of the reasons why you haven't been there yet because of this connection between you and Lyme. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah. And it, it's just, it's been amazing. I've worked with just some, I've made some of my best, best like friends in the universe that have become family through performing um, bands I've worked with other artists. And, you know, like I said, it, it's really developed very naturally. I will say one of the coolest experiences because it was you know, there, there's the nice experiences of like, oh, this place is beautiful and everything's lovely. And, you know, I have someone helping me and everything's great. But when I was uh, 12 years old, 12, yeah, 12. Um, as we talk through this, we'll really get a, a sense of my, my entire sole purpose of, of all things is to help people. And when I was 12, I think there was a really defining moment in that side of my journey, um, I was in Africa with my mom and we were there for uh, about two and a half months doing some humanitarian projects. And um, I got to see some really beautiful things there in some of the countries, gorgeous scenery, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we went to Mali, Africa, which is one of the poorest countries in the world. And I saw true poverty like you couldn't get poorer than this you know like just the most extreme hardships and I saw that even in a place like that we were you know able to offer hope and help to people and and it just it really put in stark contrast like my <laughs> 12 year old problems were not really that big of problems. And I wanted to spend my life really turning around real problems on, on a big scale. And so that, that trip for me, um, you know, I did get to perform there, which was really cool, but it kind of like just broadened my view of the world. Um, and I think that was actually probably the most important part of my education and a defining moment, like just in my, you know, life and development as a person. <laughs> so Hanali, it sounds to me like you had a very privileged uh, life, a very privileged upbringing and a really enriching both cultural and educational experience with, uh, with having been born to the people who were the superheroes that your parents are. Um, now, as part of this enriching experience and these educational op opportunities that you had and these cultural opportunities you had, do you ever learn anything about ticks and tick diseases? I didn't. Um, I, you know, maybe when I was, uh, I heard about ticks a little bit. I knew, I knew they existed, um, particularly I went to visit some friends when I was a kid in Virginia and uh, they're like, oh yeah, you know, if you're playing outside, like you gotta check for ticks. And I was like, what are you talking about? What's that? Like, that's, ew. <laughs> like, why there's gonna be bugs on me? Like, I don't like that. Um, so that was probably my first little like note of it. And I knew that they could cause Lyme disease, but I didn't really ever 
get more than that and was like, oh, ticks can do this. Check yourself for ticks. You're probably fine. Everything's fine. And it, it was very like mild and kind of not something that was a huge so, so you, you were given some general awareness that there was this bug that could cause you to get sick and that yeah. you should be checking for it, but nothing else, right? No one taught you how to do tick checks. You weren't regularly doing tick, tick checks. It was just something that got on your radar and then left your radar. Yeah. It was kind of like, you know, when you, when you take a shower, like look over your body once and make sure you don't have bugs on you. And and like, did you do that? It, when I was there, not not like everywhere I've gone, but anywhere that I then knew specifically, like, hey, someone mentioned there's lots of ticks in this area, and then I would like, okay, cool, like I'm gonna I'm gonna do a once over. <laughs> so, Hanali, you're um, you're uh, an artist. Uh, you're a performing artist. Um, I know from your social media, you're very athletic. Uh, so clearly, somebody who who is who has learned how to take care of her body and has. Um, I'm sure, learned the importance of, of proper nutrition and exercise. Um, and so at, at no point during the course of your life where you were learning how to perform at the highest levels and how to make sure that your body was in peak shape so that you can perform at your highest level, did you ever learn how to keep yourself safe from ticks and tick diseases? No. No, I didn't. Um, and the like depth of the the world of Lyme and and all of the <laughs> fantastic number of symptoms that it can cause, that was never on my radar. Like I knew ticks existed. I knew you could get sick. I thought that Lyme disease was incredibly rare, even if you did have a tick bite. And I didn't know anything about it um until a friend of mine had it um and i met her after the majority of her recovery but i was that was when my awareness on like the rest of it kind of came in but the truth is Hanali, you you didn't believe that you could get sick from lyme disease you believe that's something other people had to deal with right i mean you weren't taking any steps as part of your desire to be a really healthy human being to make sure that you didn't get sick. That was something that happened to other people. Rarely. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, it was never really much of a concern. You know, I just, I thought that it was, yeah, very, very rare. Like I didn't know anyone that had it. I hadn't heard stories about it. It was just like, oh, there's this thing that happens sometimes out there. So now, Let's talk about when you started to develop symptoms that you now know to be Lyme disease symptoms, right? <laughs> you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're a developing artist. You're, you're developing your superpowers. You're having a certain level of success all during your life. You're being, you know, these, these talents are being cultivated by your parents. You're being given all kinds of cultural experiences, but you're not always as healthy as, um, you know, you would like to be. And you're certainly not always as healthy as you look like you would be. So talk to us about when those symptoms start to develop. Yeah. So for me, you know, I, I know everyone has, has a different experience with Lyme when, when they have it. Um, and some it's very intense, some it's very mild. Um, some it's so mild that you don't really notice it for a really, 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 really long time. Well, or and ever. 
forever. And I think for me, that's kind of what happened. Like I've been an incredibly healthy, incredibly active person my entire life. I've had a huge focus on health and fitness, um, with and independent from performing. Um, but like, even back to when I was like eight, nine years old, there were funny little things that I thought were just funny little things. And I'll give you like a really weird example. Um, but like when I held like a load of laundry against my stomach or picked up a dog and held it a certain way, I would feel like this weird kind of numb ness in my legs not to the point where I couldn't feel them not to the point where I couldn't support weight on it like it, it, it was so mild <clears throat> that I never really thought much about it but it was consistent and I was like like that's just weird like that's not like what's what's with that and no one else that I knew ever mentioned anything like that you know and if I ever mentioned it like to my mom or a friend, they were just like, huh, that's weird. Like, and that was the end of it. And this happened for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. I was like, okay, it's just a thing, whatever. Um, and then like driving at night with oncoming traffic, the lights were always like, this is just, it seems a little too bright. Like it's just, a bit uncomfortable, not to any extreme degree, not to where I couldn't drive when I just, I didn't enjoy it. Um, I didn't like watching movies with all the lights off and then the bright lights. I always preferred to have some ambient light and then the light. Again, like, what do you do with that? Like, I was just like, oh, that's just a preference that I have. Never really thought much of it. And these kinds of things went on for most of my life. And I don't recall ever having a tick bite. And so I never connected any dots. And then all of a sudden, one day, um, about five years ago, my body just stopped sleeping. <laughs> it was like, we don't do the sleeping thing anymore. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's unfortunate. That's really unfortunate because sleeping is kind of key for health, fitness, performing, general life and well-being. And that's what really started me not on like, hey, I think this is Lyme because sleep things can be from a lot of things. But that's what started me going, I need to handle sleep. And that then led to, you know, other things that I now piece together. All right. So, Hanali, give us give us some more detail about the. Uh, about the sleep symptom. Uh, Dr. Bill Rawls is the author of Unlocking Lyme had a very similar experience that you're describing and, and you're being, you're being very kind and, and, and uh, generous in the way you're describing it. But I, I want to give, I want to give this some more detail because it's a very common symptom for Lyme disease that Dr. Rawls has sort of become the, you know, the, the standard bearer for. Uh, talk to us about how you started to lose the ability to sleep 
and what that meant means. I mean, were you going to bed? Were you not going to bed? Um, you know, what kinds of things are you trying to do? And how did that develop over, over the, the four and a half years first? And then secondly, talk to us about how that was impacting you because if you were not sleeping, obviously it's hard to, to perform you know, in any way, shape or form, physically or, or cognitively if you're not getting sleep. So talk to us about what that was like. Yeah, um, so basically, um, you know, it, it, there was like a little blip, a little, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks where it happened and then my sleep went back to being perfect. And I was like, that was just a weird, a weird little moment. Well, let's talk about that moment. That, that meant you were up 24 hours, never going to bed no. for a whole window of time? No. So I, I, my whole life have been on like a later schedule. My, my normal, you know, bedtime as, as it were is probably around two uh, in the morning. And so, you know, normal standard, I went to bed around two and just laid there and laid there and laid there and laid there and tossed and turned and okay, maybe this side will be more comfortable. Maybe that side will be more comfortable. Okay, now I'm hungry. I'll get up and have a snack. Okay, I'm thirsty. Okay, maybe I'll go to the bathroom. Okay, lay there, lay there, lay there, lay there. Okay, turn the lights on, turn the lights off. All right, different pillow. Um, <laughs> on my back, on my stomach. Huh, just laying there, laying there, laying there. Interesting. This is I mean, your morning would your morning would come and you just get up. Well, eventually I did fall asleep. And, um, but you know, probably fell asleep around six, seven in the morning. And so now, you know, I'm sleeping till maybe noon, but I really only had, you know, four, five, six hours. And even that was broken and not super restful. So then you get up at noon, you've been in bed since two, you've been in bed 10 hours and you feel like you've slept three, you know? And I was like, well, now I'm so tired that tonight for sure I'll sleep great. Tired all day, tired all day, tired all day. Like, all right, still go to bed at two. All right, here we go, ready for sleep. And the same cycle, like, okay. And now I'm just laying here for three, four or five hours Maybe I'll fall asleep for an hour, get up to go to the bathroom. It'll take another hour or two to fall back asleep, sleep for three hours. And then I'm like, it's one in the afternoon. Like, I got to get up. I have a day. I have rehearsals. I have a show. You know, like, I got to get to the gym. And so when that happened for a couple of weeks, it was obviously, you know, unfortunate, but I was kind of like, okay, that was just weird. Like, Maybe it's because I was traveling, blah, 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 like whatever, kind of wrote it off. And then when it started happening, like super consistently that way, you know, and, and every once in a while, then I'd have a great night's sleep. And I was like, oh, I'm healed. It was, the fluke is gone, you know? And, but it just became more and more regular that that was how my nights went. And I was like, I've never had sleep troubles, you know, and I did hormone tests. My hormones were fine. And I was like, obviously there's a reason like <laughs> bodies are supposed to sleep. So this isn't just like, Hey, I'm the person that doesn't sleep. <laughs> like, no, no, 
there's a reason. And I just became really determined to figure out what that was, but it, it took a while. It took about four, four and a half years to figure that one out. So Hanali, I want to learn more about what this actually feels like, because we had a past podcast guest, Dior DeBronte, who did a very comical but sad video that she shared to social media and put it as a reel on Instagram where she'd be tired all day. She didn't sleep the night before. And then at like, you know, 11 o'clock at night, she's trying to go to bed. And after being fatigued and exhausted all day long, like a switch goes off and like this party music goes off in her head and she's dancing around her, on her bed. And that's how she felt. It was a way of trying to, you know, visually depict how she felt at night. So was it that you were tired all day and then nighttime came and you just felt like that you weren't tired anymore? I want to get a better understanding of what it was like for you physically and how you felt when you couldn't sleep. Yeah, um, I would say that kind of thing is more my normal. Like not, not tired all day and then party, but like, I like the night. Like I, you know, for me, night is recording in the studio. It's, you know, late night rehearsals. It's the performance. It's the cast party. Like all of those things are night for me normally. So at around 10, 11 PM without line, I feel like awake and ready to go. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm dragging all day. With this, when that, when the sleep thing started happening, it was just like, you know, I would have like these pockets of like, oh, I feel good. I have energy. And then maybe a couple hours would go by, maybe a couple minutes would go by. And it was just like, and I have no energy. Like I'm, feels like someone tapped a tree and just like sucked out all the energy. It's like, cool. And I will say one of my gifts, and I'll just call it a gift, is that I can do a lot of things that most people would not do with no energy. I can do them anyway with no energy. And I'll just like make my own energy. Like, you know, I'll just override the body completely and be like, let's go. Like if I'm dead tired and someone says, let's go do a three hour workout, I'm in. It doesn't matter if I'm tired because I'm gonna go do that anyway. But when you start talking about like days, weeks, months, years of this, like it's definitely not an ideal feeling <laughs> for the body. And so I would just be kind of draggy all day. And I would still do all my things. I would still like no one from the outside would have known at all what my actual energy level was. And then night would come around and I would be like, maybe tonight's the night. Maybe my body will just lay down and sleep. And I would be so tired getting ready for bed that I couldn't get ready for bed quickly. Like it would take me far too long to get ready for bed. Cause at that point I was so, so, so tired. And then I would lay down and it would be like, Oh, this heavenly pillow. Yes. And I'm awake. And it just, it just wouldn't shut down. And I was like, I, okay. And you know, if it was one or two nights like that. And then I would get, you know, two or three nights where it was better sleep. 
I mean, it still sucked, but I was kind of like, okay with that. But it came to a head when I was in Germany performing. So not only that, but I had the time change. So I'm like jet lagged in a foreign country, you know, performing, et cetera. And this happened on like an extreme level for a week straight, seven days of like maybe three or four hours a night of sleep, but at like weird broken hours, you know, and you collectively get, you know, a handful of hours, but you're so not rested and it doesn't catch up from the, the previous days. And when I came back from that trip, I was like, I need an answer. Like I need, I had already been to a bunch of people and they're like, <clears throat> they're like, you're healthy. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's great. <laughs> It doesn't solve the fact that I haven't slept in four years. <laughs> well, Hanali, when you say you, you saw people, what kind of doctors were you seeing about your insomnia? Um, I think I went to every natural doctor in the state of Florida. <laughs> I mean, not, not really, but um, <clears throat> chiropractors, nutritionists. Um, and I went to one that I had really high hopes for. And he was incredible in a lot of ways. I had an amazing you know, adjustment and some things and other areas definitely improved, but he was actually a, a neurological chiropractor. Like he specialized in, you know, neuro stuff, whatever that fully means. And that was like, okay, this is great. <clears throat> because the other weird symptom, like the light thing, I didn't really ever think about it, but the sleep was the biggest thing. And then I started getting these like the only way to describe it is numb, but I could still feel, but I had like these numb patches on my arms. I, you know, I could feel it if I touched my arms, but they just felt kind of dead, like these little patches and it would turn on and it would turn off and it would turn on and it would turn off. And I was like, maybe this is only when I'm cold. Maybe this is only when I'm tired. And I was like, no, it's really not. Like, it's just at a whim all of a sudden it'll be there and then it won't be. So I was like, maybe there's something going on neurologically. So I went to this neurological chiropractor, amazing guy. But he was like, you're not a neuro patient. Like there's nothing wrong with you neurologically. And I was like, that's awesome. That's great news. And I was like, why are my arms numb? <laughs> like, why am I not sleeping? And he did he couldn't answer it. He was like, you're not a neuro patient all of your neurological systems, all of the tests are perfect. And I was like, that's totally what I want to hear, but it does not give me a solution for this because I'm actually experiencing something. <clears throat> but Hanali, real quick, looking back, do you believe that you were a neurological patient because that the light sensitivity and the numbness in your arms and the insomnia were likely neurological symptoms from Lyme disease? Um, I don't think that I was a neuro patient. I don't think that there was something like damaged in my neurological system. I think I was getting signals like in the body, uh, neurological signals for sure, um, <clears throat> from Lyme for sure. 
but I don't think that he was wrong in that I wasn't a neuropatient, if that makes sense. It does, but I, I feel like you're being too kind on this, doctor. And feel free to, to challenge me on this because it sounds <laughs> like your brain was sending signals to your body, right? Your brain was sending signals to your arm to, and you were having numbness and weakness and, and tingling. And then you were having extreme light sensitivity, which is clearly you know, your brain reacting to visual stimuli. And yet he was saying it was not a neurological problem but you were exhibiting neurological symptoms. And the reason I'm pushing you on this, Hanali, is yeah. because I feel like many neurologists will dismiss chronic Lyme patients. And that's the reason why it takes them so long to get a diagnosis. And if more doctors, specifically neurologists, were aware of the signs and symptoms of tick-borne illness, we could shortcut the diagnostic journeys of many, many people in the community. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely think that he, like, should have gone there <laughs> I, I think he, you know, should, should know that. Um, and like, I, I get that from his training and the kinds of neurological things that he specialized in. Um, I was not exhibiting those things. Um, you know, I like, I, there was no spinal cord injury or, you know, like there, there was nothing in that way. Um, no head trauma, like whatever, you know, my, my nerves were functioning properly, but something in the signals was obviously not, not right. And, and I do think that he should have known that for sure. Um, yeah, like I, I respect the work that he does do and he did help me in other ways. Like I said, um, I had a rib that kept going out of place that he definitely helped. <laughs> um, but it was weird to me how few people like even had Lyme on their radar about this. Cause I actually even asked based on my friends having Lyme. Cause at this point, like I then knew another friend that had had Lyme and another friend that had Lyme and their symptoms were so different from mine, but the similarity was I had all these weird things going on and no one could figure out what it was. And then it was Lyme. And so when it started getting like, Hey, your hormones are fine. Your neurological system is fine. Your everything is fine. And I still wasn't sleeping. And it was like, take all the magnesium supplements and all of the um, you know, all of the natural sleep remedies and the blackout curtains and the sound machine and the everything, the, <laughs> and it still wasn't fixing. I started then going, Hey, could it be Lyme? And it was when people, when I was making that statement saying, no, you don't have Lyme and just dismissing it. That's the part that I think was not right. Um, because I want, I want to get, I do want to get there, but I'm sorry. I just want to, I want to back up for a second before we get to you yeah. bringing Lyme to the doctors and them saying, eh, you know, I'm dismissing it, which is just even more frustrating, but yeah. your, your, your neurologic chiropractor and all the other doctors you were seeing, you know, pretty much every holistic doctor in Florida, what kind of tests did they do? Because again, I feel like you were exhibiting some neurological symptoms, but all the tests came back fine. So were they doing MRIs? Were they doing CAT scans? Were they doing nerve conductivity testing? What kind of tests were being done to rule out and say, you know what, Hanali, you're fine? Um, it was a lot of um, things like 
having me do like manual, you know, movements and making sure like, okay, I can move these at the same rate. And, uh, like I can, it's hard. I'm like going, going, this is an audio thing. And I'm like trying to show it <laughs> visually, but, um, you know, running, uh, those little like spiky wheels down my feet and down my legs, like, Hey, you can feel this. Yes, I can feel that. Cool. Uh, you know, I, I test and move your eyes this way, move your arms this way, your hands this way, you know, okay, I'm going to tap you here. All of my reflexes were good. Um, we're going to make sure that when we gag you, you gag, um, you know, like all of those like body responses to, I guess, outside stimuli and, and inside like, Hey, I can control my body. And all of those things were perfect. So the reason I'm asking that is because people listening may be struggling to get a proper diagnosis and they may be in the boat you were in where they didn't know what was going on and they suspect tick-borne illness. And looking back, do you think that those doctors, before you even brought Lyme to the table, should have said, well, wait a second, Hana Lee is having some real problems that are interfering with her quality of life, but she's just managing. She's pushing through and fighting through. Let's do some more detailed testing to see what's going on here. And it sounds like they pretty much just did what traditional neurologists will do in the office, which is, you know, the, the wheel spike wheel on your arm and, you know, the visual test and they'll, they'll, they'll try to, you know, do all those things that they can do in the office, but nothing really from a, an MRI standpoint, which we've learned from the podcast really isn't effective at looking for tick-borne illness, but PET scans are very effective at finding signs and clues for, for tick-borne illness. So do you think that those doctors should have maybe looked deeper rather than just saying, here, take magnesium, take some supplements. And then you go, well, I'm still not better. Oh, well, we don't know what it is. It's almost like they, they totally let you down, in my opinion. I know I'm being very critical here, but, you know, in hindsight, <laughs> you think you should have been more aggressive to be pushing those doctors to get you a diagnosis sooner than you did. Um, yes and no. Like, I, I don't blame them. Like, I do, I do think that they should have known, but they didn't you know, like I can't, like they didn't. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know is what you're saying, I think, right? Yeah. And, and I, I think that they're all good people, you know, like they're, they're all kind, they all wanted to help. And I think it was frustrating and disappointing for them that they couldn't, you know? And, and so I think that they should have had that education, whether that's them making sure they get it or, their schools making sure they're given it or however that should have gone down. I definitely think more of them should have had more information to be like, Hey, maybe it's this, let's check it out. Um, because when I, you know, and we'll obviously get to the, the doctor that I ended up with, but with him, he very much knew I walked in. I was like, this is what I'm experiencing. He's like, cool, we're going to check this right now, you know, and, and there you go. So it sounds like these doctors, and I think I was probably incorrect to say that they didn't care. They were very much caring and compassionate and wanted to help you, but they didn't have the tools to properly diagnose you or the knowledge to properly diagnose you, I think is what you're saying. And, and, and I understand that. And I think that's a much deeper problem to, to have this awareness out there. So Ooh. do you think, do you think from your standpoint, again, I'm not trying to be critical. It's just that you're, you're, obviously a very good speaker and you're very intelligent. So I'm trying to use you to help other people in the community learn from your experiences. Do you think that maybe yeah. you were a little overly dependent on your doctors 
And when they when they sort of said, hey, look, we can't figure out what's going on, that that maybe sort of caused you to just kind of dismiss your symptoms and, and just kind of rationalize or justify them away? Um, no, I like I knew something was going on and I'm I've done this also with like nutrition and fitness. I'm a very like persistent and determined person. And when I see that something logically should be able to be accomplished or should logically be a certain way, if it isn't, then I'm like, I haven't found the answer. Like I will keep looking because there is an answer. There is a better way. There is a solution. Like I super don't believe that people need to be miserable. I don't think that they need to, you know, only eat broccoli and, you know, whatever to be fit. Like, I'm like, no, there, there is a way to be healthy, be fit, be active, be happy. And so if those things are not there and in a sustainable way, so I'm like, if those things aren't there, you just haven't found the answer. And so I was very much trial and error. I would go to a doctor, I would try it, you know, I'd give it its due time. Like, let's see if this starts working. No. Okay, cool. You're a very nice human, but you obviously didn't fix that. So good try. You know, I'm sure that's worked on other people with things that I'm saying, or you wouldn't have tried that. So cool. On to the next. And then I'd go to the next person and they would say something and be like, that makes sense. It could be that let's try it. Great. Try it for a little bit. Maybe see some improvement. Then maybe not. Okay, cool. Maybe I slept for a week. Hey, that's pretty, pretty good when you haven't slept for four years. Hey, I slept for a week. Maybe that's the solution. Then I didn't sleep. Okay. Well, maybe it's not all in one shot. Oh, now I didn't sleep again. Okay. Now I did sleep, you know, and I just, okay, gave it enough time. Nope. That's not it. All right. On to the next. And I just kind of kept going because I was like, there is an answer. If you don't have it, someone does. And as I was going through this, I was getting more and more convinced. I don't think this is actually a sleep issue. I don't think this is actually a neurological issue. I don't think this is actually like, I think this is Lyme because that's what makes sense to me. Now I need to find someone that is either going to rule it out (laughs) or tell me I'm right. (laughs) And that's when I went to the doctor that I now use. (laughs) Okay. So there's a lot there I want to unpack. So obviously you never thought you never explained away your symptoms because you saw almost every doctor in Florida and you said, okay, I'm going to give you the respect to go through everything you possibly can to try to get me better and figure it out. And you know what? You can't, and you're at a loss. You're a great person. I'm moving on to the next one, which is, which is makes sense. And, and you can, and you kept fighting and pushing forward. And then once you had Lyme on your mind, you said, okay, I really think it's something deeper. I think it's Lyme disease. And I'm going to start bringing this up to my doctors and I want them to either rule it out for me or tell me, yes, I have Lyme. Now, before you found your doctor who clinically diagnosed you by saying, holy crap, you have all the signs and symptoms of Lyme disease, did any other doctor ever inappropriately rule it out through other other means of testing? Because we know Lyme testing is horribly inaccurate. So I'm curious, were you ever dismissed of the idea of Lyme before finding your doctor who diagnosed you? Um, yeah, there, there was like one or two people and some of it, I didn't mention to it cause I wanted to kind of come in clean slate and allow them to do what they do. I didn't want to like put it 
in their world incorrectly. You know, someone was like, I think it might be, but I also don't really know why I think it might be. The only reason I think it might be is because I had friends that had something going on that was hard to diagnose that turned out to be Lyme. But that could be, you know, it, it wasn't like a super solid anything really to go on. It was just kind of, it became sort of this gut feeling that I was just like, if I don't get an answer soon, I'm pretty sure it's that because why can no one figure this out, right? And I was like, if Lyme is like the thing that's hard to figure out, maybe that's what's going on. And it was like, I think also because my symptoms weren't so extreme in that like, you know, my, a friend of mine that had it really extreme, like she was having seizures and stuff like that. And I was so far away from that. I'm doing like two hour workouts, you know, and like performing and traveling, like all these things. So I think people looked at that too and was like, seeing the, the difference in symptoms going cool. You're not sleeping, but you're not like having seizures and you're not, you know, gaunt and gray and, you know, you don't look sick and whatever. Hanali, Lyme is an invisible illness, right? I mean, so Lyme is an invisible illness and many people who are debilitated and bed bound, they look wonderful. You would never know that they were sick. And we do know that Lyme comes across in, in a wide variety of ways. Some people have, some people have minor, you know, minor symptoms. Some people are completely debilitated by it. So yeah. that's something doctors should be aware of. And I understand you weren't as sick as some of your friends, but it wasn't just insomnia. You were exhibiting other symptoms as well. I mean, light sensitivity out of the blue, the numbness and, and the, you know, the tingling. And, and you see, so you're starting to develop more and more symptoms. And I feel that, you know, the only reason you weren't really sick is probably because you were super healthy. You probably have really good genes and genetics, right? And I think that your your lifestyle was allowing you to keep fighting this, but in time, it probably would have made you sicker and sicker and sicker if you weren't so aggressive to get the diagnosis you ultimately received. I mean, do you, do you agree with that? What, what I do think is that when I started mentioning it, like, cause I only mentioned it to a couple people, but that's the point where I feel like something should have either been done to rule it out or say yes, or say, Hey, I'm not an expert in that. Yep. I don't have the information. You should go somewhere else. Or here's my recommendation of someone who is, or, or, or like, that's the point that I think it shouldn't have just been like, here's another form of magnesium. <laughs> I think yeah. I've tried every magnesium supplement in the world and I love magnesium and I take magnesium yep. and it's cool, but magnesium is not going to handle Lyme disease. <laughs> so real quick, give us a time perspective here. How old were you when you first started developing this insomnia problem? Um, I'm going to say probably... 28. 28. And when did you eventually get your Lyme diagnosis? Um, probably about, uh, hang on my timeline. I'm 34 now. I'm going to say, yeah, 28, 29 insomnia started. And then, uh, about two years ago is when, 
<laughs> my doctor was like, you have Lyme disease. <laughs> so it sounds like it's almost over four years based on what, what I'm hearing here. So it took them over four years to put the pieces together. And you were very aggressive to get a diagnosis, literally, again, seeing so many doctors in Florida and you yeah. had the wherewithal and the cognitive ability to be able to push back and challenge your doctors, which many Lyme patients who are, you know, more, more severely ill don't have that ability. And it still took you over four years yeah. to get diagnosed. Yeah. And the first, um, maybe year, I was just kind of writing it out. I could, because I had had like this weird, you know, like two week blip and then it just went away. I think the first like chunk of time I was kind of just like, it'll go away. Like, I don't know, like maybe I just don't like sleep. Like, cause I, I don't like, I, I don't think the body should have to sleep. I think that's a ridiculous waste of time. However, it turns out it's kind of important. So, you know, I was kind of like, maybe this is just a thing for a while, whatever. So you were and explaining all- away your symptoms at first. <laughs> <laughs> at first. And, you know, I think also I kind of was like, I mean, I am sleeping. It's just, it takes me way too many hours to collect the hours that I need. And then I was like, maybe I'm just being dramatic about how tired I feel. Maybe this is how everyone feels. Like I don't drink coffee. Maybe everyone feels this way. And then they're just drinking coffee to cover it up. So I was kind of like, at first I was just kind of like, I don't really know what's going on, but whatever. And then when it like kept going, I was like, there's obviously something going on. So let's come back to your doctors before your di- before the doctor diagnosed you. So you did mention you started to bring it up to your other doctors and they would just sort of essentially ignore it and say, here, try this other magnesium you know, supplement. So I want to learn more about what that interaction was like. So when you went and you said you didn't want to be pushy and bring it right up and say, I think I have Lyme disease, but you were at some point bringing it up to these doctors. How did they respond to your suggestion that you could be having Lyme disease? And was a test ever performed to see if you had Lyme disease? Um, it was kind of like me going, and also like, I don't, I didn't necessarily bring up all of the symptoms because remember, like the light thing had been going on for most of my life. And I thought that was just whatever, like, I didn't actually put that piece together until probably like three and a half, four years in. So I was coming to them with sleep issues, basically, towards the maybe two, three year mark is when I started going, my arms are a little numb, what's going on? Um, and that's when you brought up Lyme disease. You said, I, my arms are numb, I'm not sleeping, I'm, I'm getting worse, I think I have Lyme. How did those doctors respond to you and did they test? Because that's where I think we really are, are lacking in, in this country and in the world, where when the patient even brings it up, doctors are still poo-pooing the idea. Yeah, and that, that was just more like a, like maybe, but it's unlikely. Like, I don't think you have that. And we could do a test, but the tests are really inaccurate. Um, so like, you know, did you ever have a tick bite? No, I don't think so. Like, and it was just kind of essentially written off as like, not like you for sure don't, but it was again, like I had thought it was an incredibly rare thing. It was like, you really probably don't have that. 
if you were sick for over four years and they thought you probably don't have something, but they can't figure it out, why wouldn't they rule that out by a blood test, even if it is inaccurate, hoping that maybe you were one of the ones that would pop positive, right? I mean, I just feel like it needs to be more common knowledge to test, to understand what the type of testing is that's going to give you the best odds to test positive and to, to advocate for a proper diagnosis before people get as sick as I did and a lot of your friends did. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And and that was the point where, where I feel there should have been more done was like in that probably like three, like two, three year mark, really around like the three year mark was when I was like, oh, like we've, we've done all of the normal things that should work. Can we do some of the other things now? Um, and what's interesting is I actually still to this day have never had a blood Lyme test. Um, I was actually diagnosed with muscle testing. Ooh, I can't um, wait to talk about that. Which I have mixed feelings about, but that is what found and kept finding, which I will say other doctors did Lyme, uh, did muscle test me on other things. And I think Lyme was probably also in those kits and didn't show up. So that's where I'm like, cool, not really sure what to make of that. But when, when this doctor, I didn't walk in saying, I think I have Lyme. I just walked in saying, I'm not sleeping, have some numbness going on, would really like an answer. The first thing he checked was Lyme it showed up. He's like, you have Lyme. Um, and, and, and he was like, we can do the normal blood test to confirm it. It's super inaccurate. And at that point I was like, I do have Lyme. And I know that at this point, because it's the only thing that makes sense. So if it's showing up for you and it's showing up now, because he had, like, I had seen him for, you know, chiropractic and just general testing before, um, and like, you know, this is TMI, but like he had found tapeworms on me before and then I passed tapeworms. So I was like, okay, whatever muscle testing he's doing is more accurate. Like he actually found something and handled it. So when he found Lyme that way, I was like, I trust that that's accurate. And especially if what you're finding with muscle testing isn't changing week to week, which I've had in the past, like oh, this week you have Epstein-Barr, this week you don't, then it's back. Now you have eight viruses, now you don't. Now you have, I'm like, obviously that's not true. Right. But this, every time I came in, it was like Lyme, 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 Lyme. And I was like, good, we have some consistency going on here. And I started feeling better with the treatment. And that's where I was like, okay, like I, I trust that diagnosis and it's leading to a resolution. So I'm in. <laughs> All right. So let's explore a little bit, a little bit deeper. So it sounds like before you were diagnosed with Lyme disease, the same doctor who eventually diagnosed you was able to identify parasites or, or tapeworms and helped you pass those worms. Is that correct? Yeah. So parasites are very, very common in people with Lyme disease. In fact, I was on a, a Lyme group just this week. And I think every single person on that group has said that they've had to pass some sort of parasite 
in order to help them in their healing journey to recover from Lyme. So they seem to go hand in hand. We do know that ticks fit parasites into the host. I'm sorry, what was that? And it also seems that for whatever reason, you kind of have to handle the parasites first before you can fully handle the Lyme. For whatever reason, I don't know the science behind that. I'm not saying that's true for everyone because I'm not a doctor or an expert, but that's what I have seen in the people that I have now met who are on that journey. Well, Hanalee, we, we interviewed one of the leading parasite doctors, Dr. Alan McDonald, and he taught us that the parasites actually hold and harbor the Lyme bacteria and other viruses and other bacteria and protect them from antibiotics and alternative treatments. So if you don't address those parasites, you're never going to be able to get at and, and, and treat or address the other things you have going on in your body. So I think you're spot on with your statement there. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So talk to us about the, the parasites, right? So, so we, like I said, we do know that, that ticks will spit parasites into you. We do know that there are things, you know, microscopic nematodes that can be spit into you from a tick. We do know that you can develop parasites in your GI tract, right? In your, in your intestines. We do know that we've had people tell us you can have parasites in your nose and, and, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of nasty parasites in, in different ways and different sizes. So you were diagnosed as having tapeworms via muscle testing. Yeah. And at that time, were they, was the same doctor looking for Lyme as well, or that wasn't something he was muscle testing for? Um, so his is kind of like what shows up as like the, the primary thing and then other things can kind of show up, but sometimes you have to kind of handle like the thing that is the, the biggest, most obvious problem first. And then kind of like the next layer of the onion then shows up. And so for me, the thing that was showing up was parasites. Um, we handled that. I definitely felt better, but I still wasn't sleeping. And that's when we found Lyme. So how did you handle the parasites and the tapeworms? What kind of um, treatment did you get from this? And what kind of doctor was this? Was this a, a naturopathic doctor? Yeah. Um, but what's cool about him is, um, this is Dr. Jared Roscoe, um, from new era medical in Clearwater, Florida for anyone who, who wants a good doctor who can actually help you. I want to show my sister there. She lives in Florida. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> absolutely. No, he's, he's incredible. And his, his staff are great. Um, but yeah, so he muscle tested, um, and then we did a, a major like herbal, um, uh, non-drug herbal I'll just put that plug right there what do you mean um, by non-drug herbal are there other herbs that are drugs well just people like to me natural I I'll just say it for the record for me I'm not into you know quote-unquote medicinal marijuana I'm not into CBD I'm not into any of that stuff so when I say natural some people can still for gotcha. them want to include that, I don't include that. So this is natural, 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 non-drug, you know, herbal supplements. Um, and so he did like a bunch of uh, wormwood and uh, he has, uh, I think it's like called para one and para two. And para Were these Cellcore para one and para two? Is that the, the brand? I don't remember the brand, but possibly. Um, yeah. And just took a, took a bunch of that for, you know, a couple months and 
And there you go. Then all of a sudden I stopped testing for the parasites and also stopped testing that those supplements were needed by my body. And that's what I like about him is he, he does the muscle testing. He does the natural stuff. He also, uh, does a lot of blood testing to kind of, you know, confirm balance, see deeper things. Um, and he has like a nurse practitioner there. They do a bunch of like IVs. So he really has that, like, it's a natural place, but he's also not just like, and here's another standard process supplement. And that's all I do, which I love standard process. Don't get me wrong, but take some more magnesium and you'll be fine. That's all. Exactly. Like he really comes at it with a really holistic, like well-rounded, complete approach. And I, I super appreciate that. So Hanalee, it sounds like you were being, you know, a little cautious about muscle testing in the beginning. And as I mentioned to you earlier, I was a little kind of turned, you know, like, ah, how can that really work? But we've, we've been proven wrong time and time again. Again, you're our, you're our 220th podcast guest. And countless guests have told us muscle testing has helped them identify what to treat. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in it now personally. And you just gave us something new about that, though, which I didn't know up until this interview is that the muscle testing is going to first result in what is most prominent that needs to be addressed. And for you, it was the parasites. Once you were able to address that, you weren't testing for that anymore at the muscle testing. It wasn't popping. And that's when the lime showed up because that's what was coming up next that had to be addressed. And I think it's a powerful way. Of, of treating and knowing that muscle testing can be used in a sequential order in a way that the body yeah. needs. Is that kind of what you're telling us is how muscle testing works? Yeah, that's, that's what I found for, for me, um, with him. And he's definitely the person that I've seen use it. The, the most, uh, consistent I'll say, um, like his diagnosis, like until the parasite was gone, I was testing for parasites. Then I saw it come out and then, you know, retested and it was no longer reading. And he even goes one step further is even after that's the, the problem, uh, stops testing, he will still test the supplements that you've been taking for it. And if your body is still wanting the supplements, he's like, we're almost done, but not quite. And he'll do it until that stops reading. And when the problem and the solution both are no longer reading muscle test wise, then he's like, cool, now we're done with that. That's super interesting. So it's not just that you're not muscle testing anymore for parasites. It's that you're not responding to the treatment as well. So that he wants to make sure you really got it through your system to to see it full full the way through. Now, hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot here, but I know it might be a little bit too much information and it's okay Okay. if you don't want to share, but talk to us about how you knew that you were cleared of the parasite. Sounds like you passed the parasite. Were you examining your stool? Like, how does that work? Because we've had people tell us that in the past and it sounds like yours was a tapeworm in your GI tract that you had to pass in your stool. Yeah. I mean, I I wasn't like going through it with a fine tooth comb or anything, but you know, I I would check. Um, And I'll just say this was long enough (laughs) and obvious enough where I was like, well, there you go. (laughs) Give us an idea lengthwise. I mean, probably a good six inches. And what did it look like? Was it, was it like a, like a, like a string? Was it like a rope? Was it rectangular? Just give us an idea of of shape and size. Cause I can't tell you, Hanalee, how many people have come to us and said, I think I passed a parasite. This is how it looked. What do you think? And 
you know, parasites are really, really common with Lyme. So that's why I'm asking you for all this level of detail. You had a tapeworm yeah. and I'm curious exactly what did it look like so our listeners can understand what a tapeworm would look like if they think they may have passed one. Yeah, um, you know, and obviously like you go to the bathroom a lot and like it wasn't passing on its own. And that's what was interesting to me is like, I had this, I was obviously going to the bathroom and it was not coming out until I started taking the things to kill it and get rid of it, which I found that fascinating. Cause I thought like, well, if you have parasites they're probably just coming at you all the time. Well, like, <laughs> seems like that's the way it would be. Um, but it was kind of like a, a thin rope, you know, like thicker than dental floss, um, thinner than, uh, and uh, like a computer charging cord for a Mac computer. <laughs> Some, somewhere in the middle of that, um, kind of cream colored, um, yeah, just obviously not part of my stool. <laughs> I was like, I didn't eat anything that looks like that. So <laughs> I didn't swallow a string. <laughs> well, well, thank you for being so open because I know it's not a, probably not a comfortable topic to share. So I think it is, a, it is an important topic to discuss, but I know it's not a comfortable one. So let's fast forward now. Thank God you passed the tapeworm. And again, muscle testing, I think, was really powerful in your journey because you had to you had to get rid of, get rid of this this tapeworm. You use it sounds like cell core herbs, the power one, the power two, and now you've ruled out the the parasites. And now what pops up next for you to treat on muscle testing is Lyme disease. So you, which you've yeah. been suspecting all along. So finally, you have confirmation that what you thought was a problem is coming up as being positive, and it's coming up consistently time and time again as you noted. So what was your treatment now for the Lyme disease after the parasites? Yeah, <clears throat> the treatment um, was was really cool. I started, um, first of all, it was like, <laughs> I was just like, cool. Like, that makes sense. Good. And then I was like, hey, can this be fully handled, by the way? Because, you know, you hear Lyme, I was like, <laughs> like, am I do I have this forever? Can I get rid of this? What's the deal? Should I be bawling my eyes out or dancing for joy? Like <laughs> what's the deal? And what I also love about Jared is, uh, Dr. Roscoe, sorry. <laughs> he and I have become really good friends as well, but Dr. Roscoe, um, he's like, it can, absolutely be 100% handled. Like this is not something that you have to have for the rest of your life. And I was like, awesome. Thank you. Let's do it. So, um, we started with, um, an herbal concoction called biocidin, another herbal concoction, um, that was, I think it, it had a bunch of other stuff in it, but primarily cat's claw. Um, and there was another one that I was on for a little bit, but I personally hated it, but other people have had a lot of success with it, which is artemisinin. So I'll mention it. The three often go really well together. My body did not like it. <clears throat> um, but the cat's claw and the biocidin, I started, I started sleeping. And it was not like a, you know, light switch and now everything's perfect. And now I sleep every night gloriously. It was like, hey, instead of it taking four hours to fall asleep, it took two hours to fall asleep. 
you know, instead of having five bad nights in a row, I had three bad nights in a row, you know? So it was definitely like a slow process, but it was notable change in the right direction. And I was like, great, we'll just keep on, keep on, keep on. Um, you know, and I was also supporting, like I did an adrenal tonic to support the adrenals, which can get messed up with Lyme as well. Um, I was taking magnesium, you know, et cetera. Um, and for the nights that were not as good, I actually found a, a all natural drug-free sleep drink called some sleep, S O M sleep. It has like GABA, um, melatonin, uh, uh, what's the other one? It has like several of the things that you like think of when you think of sleep. Um, but whatever combination of it, that drink has worked really well for me and several other people that I know that have had sleep issues, whether it was Lyme related or not. So those were kind of my, my things that I was using and it was getting better and better and better. Um, and yeah, the quality of sleep, the duration of sleep, the speed of falling asleep and falling back asleep, the consistency of better nights um, just started increasing. But it, it you know, I, I was taking those supplements for about a year and a half. So, I mean, it was not like a fast, <laughs> boom, it's all better. Like, definitely not. But the numb patches started going away the tingly stuff that I was feeling, um, cause I also started feeling it like around my lips sometimes that started going away. Um, and then it would come back and then it would go away, but it would come back shorter, less frequently. And, you know, so I was like, I'm on the right track here. Now it's just a matter of time. And if I can do things to boost that and speed it up, great. But what I'm doing is helping. So yay. So Hanalee, I think what you just described is a really important tip that we need to emphasize. Herbs are not an overnight treatment. A lot of people are used to pharmaceuticals and drugs which can form dependencies, yeah. have a lot of adverse yeah. side effects, but do work much faster and are fast acting. Herbs, generally speaking, don't have those side effects, but they're more long-term because they're restorative. And it sounds like for yeah. you, it took about a year and a half for you to get your sleep back and also get your, your tingling and your numbness and, and your, and your, these patches of, of numbness all throughout your body to resolve as well. So yeah. cat's claw, as we know, is a very strong antimicrobial herb. The biocidin we know is a biofilm buster, which is very important with parasites as well. The biocidins, I think that could have helped in both regards. And, yeah. you know, the adrenal tonics are really important to help regulate your hormones. So talk to us, the adrenal tonic, was that something that was proprietary by your naturopath or is that a, a you know, something you were buying, you know, online or off the shelf that you can, you can share with our listeners. Yeah, no, it's actually a supplement called adrenal tonic. Um, I believe it's in the standard process family or Medi herb. Cause they're, they have like two that kind of go together. Um, I think it might be a Medi herb, um, one, which I'm impressed. I remember the name in this moment, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And, and that one I kind of did on and off. Like when I woke up and looked at it and was like, yeah, I took it. And when I woke up and looked at it and was like, not feeling it, I didn't take it. And I like, I'm very in tune with my body, um, with all the health and fitness stuff that I've done over the years. So I trust that like on a day when, you know, my body says eat more of this or less of that I do. Um, and I do the same thing with supplements all of a sudden, you know, I'll be like, 
yay, B vitamins, great. And all of a sudden I'm like, ew, B vitamins, no, <laughs> I'll stop. I'm like, okay. And I just, I kind of trust that. And, and I've also had a lot of those intuitions then confirmed by Dr. Roscoe with muscle testing. I'm like, all of a sudden I'm not feeling this supplement and all of a sudden it doesn't help me anymore. So it's in, been interesting to see that. So we call, we, we now call that body confidence after our pod, our last podcast guest, she described that as body confidence, listening to your body or you know, intuition. And she used that collective term body confidence to say, my body was giving me signs and I had to listen to those signs and I had to share them with my medical team to confirm. And she goes, and they were spot on. Like you said, you were listening to your body and there were times you yeah. needed vitamin B. There were times you didn't need vitamin B, but I do want to come back yeah. to something that I find quite ironic because and again, I'm sorry for being so hard on your earlier doctors, but your earlier doctors did test you and look at your hormones and they said your hormones are fine. But now you're on an yeah. adrenal supplement, this adrenal tonic, which the adrenal glands regulate your hormones. So it sounds like you yeah. possibly could have had hormone issues all along, but the testing or the doctors weren't looking at the right, you know, looking at it the right way. And maybe that did you a disservice as well earlier on. Yeah. And, you know, uh hormones are, are interesting and, and finicky and they all work together and so many things can affect it. Um, and so I, I think again, it was like the overall, like, Hey, yeah, you know, the, the female hormones and, and your, you know, testosterone to estrogen to progesterone to whatever, like these are all in the ranges that they should be you know, generally speaking, blah, blah, blah. And nothing was like out enough or wrong enough to be like, oh, this explains it. <laughs> you know, it's like, cool. Like maybe we'll support the adrenals a little bit. And I've been on adrenal supplements on and off my whole life, but everyone was like, it's cause you stay up so late, which might have some validity but there's also other people that stay up late yep. that sleep. So They're explaining and, away your symptoms again, there it comes back that theme, right? I mean, doctors were yeah. explaining away your symptoms, but you kept, I mean, granted, I know in the beginning before it was really bad, you were saying, ah, I'm just staying up late. But once you realized you were sick, you were not letting doctors explain away your symptoms, which is why I think yeah. you were able to land on a diagnosis and get better and be where you are today. Yeah, for sure. So also talk to us about, the um, light sensitivity, because as, I mean, look, you're, you're a very popular singer. You've, you've, you've been around the world and you're a performer, you're doing some acrobatic performances, you run, you're an entrepreneur, you and your husband run this, this amazing marketing software company. And clearly you must be on the computer a lot running a software company. You must be around bright lights, being a performer and a singer. So has your light sensitivity subsided and how has that impacted you in your performances? Yeah, the light sensitivity was really weird because it only showed up in two very specific scenarios. Um, computer brightness never bothered me. Stage light brightness never bothered me. Um, I'm actually, you know, the person that wants my phone screen and my computer screen on like max brightness, which you would think I wouldn't be. Um, but very specifically driving at night with oncoming traffic has always bothered my eyes. Like as long as I can remember, I hated that. And I was like, I just, again, was like, that must just be something I don't like. <laughs> like there's no explanation for it. And same thing with um, like, 
you know, a lot of people, when they watch a movie at their house, they want all the lights off, right? And I'm like, no, <laughs> because the contrast of it's dark and then it's bright, I didn't like that. Which now, um, I actually didn't even really think about it, which obviously means it's better because if I'm not thinking about it, it's not bothering me anymore. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's improved. Um, that, again, that was never something that for me was like a crippling thing or like really affected my life. It was just kind of like, ah, oh, this is annoying. Like I would prefer if it weren't this bright, you know? Um, and so now, yeah, driving at night doesn't bother me now. Um, and I haven't really thought about it watching movies. So I guess, I guess that's good. So clearly your treatment is working. And even though it wasn't a, a, a major debilitating thing with your light sensitivity, it's improved, obviously. So talk to us about, you. we know that you've also done other things beyond the cat's claw, the biocide and the adrenal tonic and the, the, the SOM sleep, the SOM sleep. Uh, it sounds like a really important game changer for you. And many people listening suffer from insomnia. So I wanted to just repeat that again. It's SOM sleep, S-O-M-S-L-E-E-P. And that can be something our listeners can, can look at as a potential aid to help them sleep better with Lyme-related insomnia. But we do know that you did some ozone saunas, ozone IVs, and even UV light therapy. So talk to us how those treatments were used in your healing journey and if you think they were worthwhile treatments for you. The, yeah, this is where I'm excited to talk about. Um, I, I think that those things were like the key. Um, so yeah, the, the supplements awesome, definitely helped. Um, but like I said, it, it, you know, took about a year and a half and it, it still wasn't a hundred percent. And I was at this point for me, the sleep was better, but even with sleep, my energy was super low. And again, it didn't stop me from doing any of my activities. I just did them all tired. <laughs> and so that was more just frustrating because I'm like, now I am sleeping most nights and I'm still tired. So why, again, I don't love sleeping. Like I don't love that I have to sleep. So I, I love that I do sleep now, but I don't love that we have to sleep as people. So it was kind of like, now I'm spending the time sleeping and my body's doing it, but I'm still not reaping the rewards from it because I'm just tired anyway. And I was like, that's not cool. So and Lyme was still showing up muscle testing very consistently, like a, like a good little bug. And I was like, okay, there's obviously like, it's just taking too long, you know? And I was like, I'm, if this is going to take another five years, like I'll do it. It's not that I'm not going to do it, but if there's something I can do to speed this up, have energy now, that would be pretty cool. Um, so I, you know, went again to Dr. Roscoe and was like, what else can we do? And, and this part's more expensive. And so I didn't really want to do it. Um, but for me, it, it really, really helped. So we did, um, Myers cocktail IVs. I have since found that I do better just the high dose C without all the B vitamins, because my body doesn't love B vitamins as a general thing. I take some, but I take very small doses, you know, just in like a supplement form. So pumping in a ton of it, that's what actually, I, I didn't love it. Um, maybe it was necessary at the time. 
So I'm going to let each person kind of figure that out with their doctor and with how they feel. Um, Cause obviously IVs in general can make you kind of tired and then feel better. But when I did it with the B, I felt more tired. And when I did it with just the C, I felt good immediately for whatever that's worth. Um, so I did Myers cocktail with C um, and I did ozone IVs, which is awesome. So basically how that works is they take your blood out, put the ozone into your blood and run it back into your arm. And as it's going in, like before it reaches you, it runs through a UV light, which kills, you know, bacteria and all the nasty, you know, crap that we're trying to get rid of. So um, not only it like cleans your blood essentially, but also gives you just so much good, you know, oxygen with the extra molecule, making it ozone. Um, and that, that was awesome. And you kind of move up, uh, you start at one dose and you kind of increase from there. So um, I, did, I did a number of rounds of that and then glutathione as well. So Hanali, is this, is this called EBO2? We had a guest describe for us last night that she had pretty much an identical treatment where it was ozone, where they would infuse her blood with ozone to kill off the, the Lyme bacteria, but also other viruses and bacteria that are beyond Lyme and tick-borne illness, which I think is important because we all have other things going on. And then after that, it would then use UV light to kill off even more in the blood before putting the blood back into your body. So is this, is this something that you're aware of being called EBO2 as well? I forget if I'm being honest, but when you said that it does ring a bell, so it, it very well might be that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, UV light, uh, like it's ozone plus UV light. However, however. That so your is. blood was literally being, was being infused with, with, um, with ozone, which is, you know, obviously a, like a, an airborne, you know, they're taking, they're pumping ozone as a chemical into your blood to clean it. And then it's being run through a UV light to clean it even further. So it's a two-step process, right? Yeah. And okay. you know, he, he was saying like the, the ozone by itself is great, but for Lyme and just general awesomeness, but Lyme specifically, he was saying like with the UV light, it just makes the ozone that much more effective. And so he was like, you can get it without, but I would recommend highly doing it with. And I was like, great, I want this gone. So let's do it. <laughs> so walk us through your first ozone and UV light treatment. Were, when you walked away, were you feeling energized? Were you feeling better? Did you feel a little bit worse? You know, what was that like for you when you walked away from your first treatment? Um, during it, I felt fine. I'm also very not finicky with needles. Like it, that whole experience doesn't bother me. So obviously if someone is not that way, they have just like the, <laughs> the emotional draining of like dealing with needles. And I get that. Um, so I didn't have that, which was great. Um, I, during it, I felt fine. Um, right after like during, during the glutathione push, cause they just like it, that's not an IV. They just push that. Um, my head felt very much like it was being stuffed with cotton balls is the only way I can describe it. Like it just felt really dense and weird. Um, we later slowed down the push and that helped. Um, I could taste the B vitamins in my throat 
with it going into my arm, which was weird. Um, and that I noticed was a common experience for people there. We were, I was like, can you taste this? I can taste this. <laughs> like, yeah, I can taste it. Um, so yeah, the, the combination after that, like immediately after I felt super tired and dizzy for about 30 to 60 minutes. Um, and then I felt good. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty good. And then usually like the next day I felt, you know, a bit better. Um, and it was kind of just like a cumulative experience of as I went through them, I noticed like, I just felt better. Um, and then more recently, like after that, I did another round without the B vitamins of just C and the ozone and the glutathione slower. And after that, I felt great, like immediately. I was like, cool, feel awesome. And we added one thing. I did also um, three treatments of NAD um, IVs. And NAD has something to do with niacin. I don't know if it's what makes up niacin or what niacin breaks down into, again, not an expert, but it's essentially liquid energy because still I was like, I'm feeling better. Lime's not showing up. This is great, but I'm still tired. Like I'm sleeping well, but I'm just tired during the day. And I got these three treatments of NAD and I have had energy since it like, for me, that was just from an energy perspective was a game changer. Um, and also the ozone saunas sit in a little pod with your head sticking out the top. It's like a little white egg pod. And this ice lime was still showing up. This was right before I started the intravenous ozone. I did my first ozone sauna and I went into it dragging like I had been. And I came out of it 20 minutes later, like I am physically well. I feel good. I feel like Superman. I can take on the world. I have more energy than I've had in years. And I was like, there's something to this ozone business. Give me all the ozone. I am so, so all about it. Um, so that was actually my first introduction to ozone. And then, then we did it intravenously. And I also just did more of the saunas because I frankly, am kind of obsessed with them. I just love them. So just to kind of give a high level overview, you were having slow and steady success with the cat's glow, the bioslide and the herbs, the adrenal tonics, the some sleep, you were, you were getting results, but it wasn't quick enough. So about a year and a half in, you started using these ozone saunas, then the ozone IV with the UV light therapy, and then finally the NAD, which is that liquid energy or that liquid gold. And that is what it allowed you to really fast track your recovery, it sounds like. Yeah. And now, um, you know, like I said, Lyme isn't showing up muscle testing. Um, some of the supplements like biocidin and whatever are still testing as beneficial, which can, could potentially mean that there's still a little bit of Lyme there or it could, because that, those supplements can also be for other things. Like they can also help with other things. So that is not like a super determinant of, I still have Lyme at all, or it's completely gone. Um, but I will say there's, a there's the traditional Lyme blood test. That's not super, uh, reliable. And then there's another one that I don't know. I don't know what it's called. And I apologize for that. I will get the name and I'll email it to you. So you can, you know, share that with listeners. Um, but there's a specific blood test that tests for specific white blood cell 
that apparently if you have Lyme is spiked and you can kind of get like a numerical value based on where that number is. Um, and so that's going to kind of be the, the final piece for me is getting that blood test and seeing if it's completely gone or almost completely gone. If it's completely gone, awesome. Like I'm feeling great. Um, and if it's not, then, you know, I'll probably do another, you know, few of the ozone IVs and recheck it until it's basically gone. But I'm, I'm essentially in the clear now um, and better. I just want to make sure like it, it's fully, fully done and doesn't come back. So Hanali, is this the CD57 markers that you're referring to with the white blood cells or you're not sure? I'm not sure. I'll, I'll have to check. Um, and I will definitely let you know because that's definitely information that could help a lot of people. Thank you. So looking back at your experience, if you could offer one piece of advice to people who are in the throes of Lyme and getting treated, what, what piece of advice would you want to share with them that was the most helpful for you in your journey? I would definitely say ozone, like ozone, ozone, ozone. Um, and, and just like persistence and, and, really knowing that you 100% can fully heal it. Like it doesn't just have to be a little bit better, like, and it might take far longer than you want it to, <laughs> to, to handle, but you can handle it. So like do, do what's working and stick with it. Um, you know, if you want to speed some stuff up, maybe add in some, you know, add in some ozone, add in some of these other things that, you know, I've mentioned. Um, and yeah, just really, really know that. And also I'm going to just throw out there, like if you're trying to handle Lyme, but you're eating like crap, like that's dumb. <laughs> and I don't mean to be harsh, but like, you gotta have a good clean diet. Um, I eat high carb, low fat, moderate protein, primarily plant-based. I'm not hundred percent vegan, um, but I do eat primarily plant-based. Um, and you know, lots of fruit, lots of veggies, as much organic as, as you know, I can and makes sense. Um, and, and I'm not saying like, I never have, you know, some junk food or a cheat meal or whatever, but like treat your body well, because the body is incredibly resilient and it wants to heal and it is naturally healthy, I believe, and it's very strong. So if you give it the support that it needs to handle, you know, the immediate thing of, hey, Lyme, like we need to handle that. And you're giving it the general support and good fuel of good, clean, yummy, but healthy food, because healthy food can and should be delicious, um, then yeah, there's no reason why you can't have full vibrant health. So Hanali, I know Rich is going to kill me because I keep telling him he's up and I keep jumping back in for one more question here, but this is a really important topic I feel because so many people in the Lyme community have made comments that sometimes you have to feed the bugs. Sometimes you have to, you know, you're having a rough day, you're feeling emotional and you know what? You're, you know that dairy and sugar make you feel horrible, both psychologically and physically from an inflammation. But you know what? Go eat, go eat a whole bunch of cheesecake. It's okay. That's not, it's not a big deal. You have to, you know, and my takeaway is, you know, where, where I'm at is I know what food triggers exist for me personally, which I think is for everybody. It's different where our thresholds are. 
And even if I'm having a bad day or I'm just saying, you know what, I really am craving something, I try not to. And don't get me wrong, I do, but I know it's a mistake. And I always caution people to be careful of that because I know I feel the consequences. The next day, I will feel it for the entire day if I do something like that. So what is your opinion on that balance of saying you can't be too strict because how practical is that for the average person, but also not feeding into the idea of it's okay to go and do all kinds of things, you know, diet wise that, you know, are going to set you back from healing and also cause a major flare up for you. Like, where do you, where do you land on that topic there? Yeah. Um, for me, like I, I never really had a flare up in terms of like eat junk food and symptoms are worse for me. Um, However, I am a huge proponent of eating very clean, very much of the time. So I think for me, my passion of love and fitness kind of set a really good groundwork. I'm, I'm very disciplined. I'm a good cook. I'm, I know how to make really delicious things out of very healthy ingredients. <laughs> um, and so for me, that like you know, I think a lot of people have the idea of like 80, 20 for me, it's more like 95, five kind of thing, you know? Um, and so I think that 5% is that's the, that's the real life. That's the, it's a birthday. That's the, I don't want to put myself in a position of like, I can never, you know, which is also why I say, I'm like, I'm not a hundred percent vegan, but I'm pretty much vegan, you know, but if there is a day when I'm like, not today, then not today. And then go back to that 95%. Um, and so I think if someone is in the throes of like really, 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 really intense line, yeah, you're going to have to be way strict, like, and strict in what, because again, there's so much conflicting information and that's a whole other, you know, multiple hour podcast that we're not going to get into, but do your research, do your research. Don't just listen to an opinion, do your research, trial and error, see what makes sense to you, blah, 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 blah. Again, I'm happy to, you know, help anyone on what I have discovered works for me. Like I said, I eat high carb, low fat, moderate protein, primarily plant-based, very minimal processed food, very minimal processed sugar. And notice none of these are me saying a hundred percent. It's very minimal, mostly. And that for me is the real life. Like it's just, I also travel, I'm, you know, married, we have anniversaries and, you know, if I want to eat something yummy, I'm going to eat it. But my daily food every day, I, I track macros, I weigh everything I eat, I'm super about, you know, the, what is the nutritional value of what I'm eating? And I think if someone is extremely sick, the closer and more detailed that they pay attention to all of those things, the better. Once someone is feeling pretty darn good, you, that's almost a more touchy spot because you want to make sure you keep feeling good and don't just go like, well, now I'm feeling good so I can eat like crap. Like, nope, doesn't work that way. Now you're feeling good, keep it going, but you might have a little more wiggle room to like have the occasional thing and know that it's not going to completely tank your health. Great. That's awesome. Don't abuse it. And I, you know, have seen people 
really abuse that. And then they're back to where they started. And it's like, no. Um, so yeah, big proponent of eating super, 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 super clean almost all the time. <laughs> so Hanalei, talk to us now about the transformational nature of this journey for you. Meaning, uh, what did you find out about yourself? What did you learn about your superpowers that you didn't know before? And how has this changed your purpose? I love it. Um, I realized one, I'm definitely not crazy. Two, um, I really know my body and I'm very in tune with it. Three, I have incredible persistence on any path that I'm on. Um, and those, you know, that, that was really a superpower that was cool that I discovered is like, I don't give up. And that sets me up, you know, for future stuff, not, you know, I don't mean like future health issues because I don't foresee any and I am taking, you know, good care to not have that. But it's whatever challenges life brings because life is not always just, you know, butterflies and rainbows. It's good, bad, or indifferent. I know that I have the persistence and ability and drive and passion and care to get through that. And it's also allowed me to really help other people with this journey and other journeys, you know, health-wise, fitness-wise, life-wise, uh, you know, career-wise. And what's cool is sometimes you can discount like, well, if someone doesn't make a radical lifestyle change because of what I said, it didn't help. But if someone makes even the smallest change because of something that I said and improves their life that much, or they then mention it to someone else. It's like, you cannot predict the ripple effect of helping people and helping people in any aspect of life. And like I said, at the beginning of this, my sole purpose in everything I do, whether it's performing, marketing, you know, fitness stuff, coming on here and talking about Lyme, like whatever it is, the entire and only purpose is to help people. Um, that is where I get the most joy. That's what gets me, you know, that's what I live for. And when I see people take that help and use it and be helped by it, that's like the most incredible feeling ever. And so for me, it's just made that even more and given another avenue that I can help people with. And hopefully that leads not only to people getting through Lyme, but then also living a healthy lifestyle from there on out. So Hanalei, I'm going to give you one last opportunity to help folks out. And that's going to be uh, helping them figure out what they should do and what steps they should take in the event that they suffer a tick bite. So you've uh, mentioned your husband a couple of times during this podcast, and he sounds like he's a wonderful man. And let's say if God forbid, after this podcast, he came walking into the room you're sitting in and he had a tick biting him. What would you recommend that he do so he wouldn't have to go on a difficult uh, Lyme disease journey? Um. That's a really good question. At first, I want to just mention that, um, you know, tick bites are not the only way that people can get Lyme. Um, it, you know, can be from mosquitoes and, you know, the other things. Now, I'm not saying that, um, that one shouldn't walk around paranoid <laughs> because again, there's like real life, you know? Um, well, and and let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because I, you know, I think there is this belief that because of their vectors harbor the, the bacteria that 
is synonymously known as Lyme disease, but that it can be transmitted that way. And I'm not sure that's really true. I'm not sure that, that, that there's actually any lab results that suggest that that is the case, but you could certainly get Lyme disease congenitally, meaning uh, it could be passed from mother to child. Um, and I think there's growing evidence to support that you could get Lyme disease through sexual uh, contact, right? Uh, so wow. I think at, there's at least three ways that I think there's growing uh, evidence to support. Whether or not we can get it from a fly or a mosquito or from some other source is something that I think there is a lot of debate about and certainly hasn't been reproduced in any lab settings, but you're right. Yeah, but let's, and, let's, and again, I'm not an expert, you know. Um, but, but let's talk about the main vector, the main vector, the easiest way, the way that Dr. Rawls, for example, has described that the bacteria has chosen to be transmitted is through ticks, right? So let's, yeah. say, let's say your husband has a tick biting him. Let's focus on that. Uh, we're not going to focus yeah. on sexual transmission, and certainly, we, you know, certainly he's already born, so he either has it or he doesn't. If that were, um, <laughs> if that were the vehicle for transmission, but let's talk about a tick bite. He has a tick biting him. What would yeah. you recommend that he do so he wouldn't get sick? First, I would, you know, obviously get get the tick off of you, um, <laughs> and um, I would have, just have him, you know, go get the the blood test that I was talking about. Sure, the the normal one that is not super reliable, but like, why not roll it out? Um, and muscle testing, and I would just say like, go rule it out, and you know, or or not. And if it's there, then start immediately. Like, take take these herbal supplements. Go get a you know a bunch of ozone IVs because that's going to help with your just general health anyway. It, it helps so many things. Cause I mean, it's, it's ozone. Um, and yeah, and obviously eat healthy and that, that would be kind of my best advice to anyone who thinks that they could have it or could be getting it is like, go <laughs> rule it out or rule it in. If it's in, then, you know, just jump on it. Don't wait until you're, you know, super sick and having tons of weird symptoms that no one understands, like just worst case scenario is you're going to boost your body with a bunch of good stuff anyway, which is going to help your overall health anyway. And, you know, if you actually have Lyme, then nip it, you know, nip it before it gets bad. So Hanalia, I'd like to end our podcast the way we began. So pause for a second and let's listen to something that may cause people to see this come full circle. Up the magic dragon lived by the sea and frolicked in the autumn mist in a land called Hanali. Little Jackie Paper loved that rascal pop. So, uh, Hanalee, I want to thank you uh, for sharing so much of your beautiful story with us. And I was happy to uh, play some of the lyrics of the song that was the inspiration for your beautiful name. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, I love, love what you do here. And it's been an honor. Thank you for listening to the Tick Boot Camp interview with Hanalee Pendry. To our listeners, we have a call to action. 
First, if you'd like to learn more about Hannah Lee Pendry, please visit her Instagram page at Hannah Lee Music. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Think Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of our post. Third, Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick by Blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been shared with us by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please note we would appreciate any input or any improvements you would like to offer. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank you, the members of our community, for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thank you, as always, for listening.